0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to your five to ten minutes of I Can't Believe That Happened, a crazy moments in history podcast. Listen on your way to school or work and have something really cool and neat to talk about. If you can be very, very nice to this podcast, please share us. Make sure you tell a friend, share with a group online, or just say something really nice about us on iTunes. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's I Can't Believe That Happened. I'm sorry I'm running a little late on the episode. I had another episode I was super excited to give you but honestly like I really could not find enough viable resources for it to give it to you so last minute I went around and did some further research and I found a new topic for you guys so this is going to be the top five things that you probably did not know about royal dogs so Throughout history, dogs in royal households have held a very high role, and a lot of the time, especially in more recent like British history, you'll see that they are a big part of royal households, especially for princes and princesses. Like, Queen Mary comes just reeling to mind, and uh, Queen Elizabeth as two very um, passionate dog owners and love of dogs, just... Um, if you think about a childhoods that were very, very lonely, the dogs were sometimes the only real true friends that princes and princesses had. So we're going to go over the top five things that I bet you did not know about dogs, royal dogs in history. All right, so we're going to start in 1715 with the Duchess de Orleans. And okay, you're gonna have to forgive me. I'm going to screw up so much on the pronunciation, but I promise you it's totally worth it. This is a great story. So in 1715, the Duchess d'Orleans, who was a prolific letter writer, was writing to a friend of hers that her grandson, the Duke de Chartres, de I'm going to go with that, was placed in a miniature triumphenol, which is kind of like a carriage. So there's this little like child-sized carriage that they had, and it was pulled by a large cat. And the pigeon was the coachman, and one of the favorite dogs named Andrienne was seated alongside the Duke, and an entirely different dog named Picard, not Picard for any of you Star Trek fans, Picard, was the footman who was trained to jump over to the triumphal side and let down the little stair to help the Duke or the other dog get into the carriage um this is just a crazy idea to me I want to see pictures of this so badly and of course this is before pictures um so even on his time off Picard was treated more like a horse than a dog in the royal household he was often saddled and was given royal dolls to be put on his saddle so Picard ended up being treated much more like a horse than a dog but just give it a second to think of this little two-year-old being ridden around the halls of Versailles with a cat as the horse in a little miniature carriage and up parakeet opening the doors and um I'm just kind of overwhelmed oh I'm sorry not a parakeet a pigeon that was opening the doors as a footman and a dog that was opening doors and letting down steps I I need a comic of this this is fantastic okay so we're gonna move over to number two and that is some of the jobs that royal dogs had they were not allowed just to generally loaf all day although a lot of the lap dogs were but there were some very important jobs for dogs and in ancient china pugs were taught to hold candles in their mouths so they could light the path for the royals poodles in Versailles now I love this I'm deeply interested in historical fashion but the poodles were taught to hold up their mistresses Trains, which is the extra material that goes down past the dress onto the ground. So the poodles would follow their mistresses around with the trains lightly held in their mouths to make sure that the dresses didn't get dirty. So this was really fun because I got to even go back to some of my uh, research for the pugs, which, if you want to, you can go back and listen to the things you did not know about pugs. But some of the dogs were actually incredible guardians and King Edward uh, was saved in 1549 when his very loyal dog companion was barking and saved him from a kidnapping plot. All right. So number three, fantastic. This is dog collars. And the dog collars are not anything you would even begin to think of right now that you might have on your own dog. This is for royal dogs, and this took it way over, way over the top. So in the first century, which going way back, first century AD, the, um, the very well-to-do Romans were known for actually creating these very beautiful and intricate silver collars for their dog. And in the Renaissance, a royal hunter could look for having a bejeweled collar, um, which is really interesting. So if you look at um, royalty in the Renaissance, a lot of the times what you'll see is collars only on the dogs that were working, like hunters or, um, or the guard dogs. And that was because they were out of the palace and moving around, where a dog that was more expected to be on the lap had... Ornamentation, and I'm going to get to what that ornamentation is later. But those dogs generally do not have collars. The hunters and the um, the dogs that are meant for work they have these beautiful collars that went everything from velvet silks to incredible jewels and louis of france he gave his greyhound uh cherami i am so sorry about these names i wish there was pronunciations on these i i apologize but go to the show notes and i'm gonna have links for everything so you can tell me if i screwed up the pronunciation go ahead and put it in the comments nicely and kindly but louis of france he had um for his greyhound a collar of scarlet velvet with over 20 pearls and 11 rubies. Now, the Raj... um, Oh, I don't even want to try to pronounce this. I I don't want to offend anyone, but please go um, onto the show notes. I will have a link. This is a name I I cannot pronounce, and I'm so sorry. But he was known for being incredibly lavish with his dogs, and he had over 150 of them. And for his favorites... He would have these dogs painted for oil portraits, and he, they were given these beautiful diamond collars, and there is oil paintings of this, and I will try to track them down, and I'll link them up in the show notes. They're so worth taking a look at. Okay, so number four. Some dogs were even able to help the staff of royal households, and Mao Shih um was very uh well known for this because the dogs for his court were fitted with collars that were covered in bells so when they would walk around it was very clear to hear and since they were following the emperor all of the servants knew exactly where the emperor was at all times all right so i promised to tell you about the ornamentation that is not collars that was popular um I don't know how to feel about this, to be honest, and I will link, um, photo, uh, not photos, but paintings, of of these dogs, but they used to pierce the dog's ears and put these incredibly ornate, um, jewels through them. Uh, so there was dog earrings and it was all the rage for the very wealthy and the royals from the Medici's in, um, 1573 to 1627 to Spain. And the, train, the trend remained all the way until the late 18th century. So that was actually something I had never even heard of until I was doing research on this. And um, yeah, I will definitely link the, the paintings. But I hope you enjoy. If I screwed up the pronunciations or you found some other research or interesting things about royal dogs, please put it in the comments. I'd be so excited to read about your research. And until next time, I hope you guys have a wonderful week.